The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. It was about 14 years ago, and I found a lump on my neck. I ended up going to one doctor and to the next doctor. It turned out to be cancer, and went through a whole array of uh, tests and different things until they found out exactly what type it was. I remember coming home at the time when my parents were beside themselves. 20 years old in Israel, learning the Mir Yeshiva, had my whole world set in front of me. I had everything perfect, just perfect. And then the house of cards just fell down. I came flying home, and I remember we didn't tell anybody. We didn't want to tell anybody that I'd been sick because for Shiduchim, what kind of girl are you going to end up with? So I go and six months of chemo. I don't wish it on anybody. A lot of fun chemo. Really, uh, really test your boundaries of, 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 of who you are as a human being. It's a poison. You know, it's not that they know how to cure cancer. It's, uh, it's not it. It's just that cancer is a very fast-moving cell. So therefore, they send in a poison that is a magnet to fast-moving cells. That's why you lose your hair. That's why your fingernails, this, that. Baruch Hashem, after six months, they had told me that, that it was gone, that they cured it. And I'm running through the story really quick. Last time it took me an hour to tell the story. Now it's going to be about three minutes. I go through it for the first six months and I thought, so it was over. Unfortunately, three years later, I'm sitting there by my doctor and he tells me that they found now a lump inside my chest from a CAT scan and it had come back. When I asked my doctor, what are my chances of living? What's my, what's, what's my percentage? Where, because last time, doc, you told me I was 85, 90% that I have a chance to be able to live. Last time you gave me good numbers and here we are sitting again. And he said to me, and he was German, he said to me, Ari, we don't have numbers anymore. You will become a statistic, and after that, we will know from you if people can live from this or not. And a big smile on his face. <laughs> you can take, you know, you can take the man out of Germany, but... Uh... <laughs> so, I said, come on, buddy, you got to give me something. He said, no, there's no statistics. We will put the chemo inside you again. This time we'll give you a transplant. And after that, we will see, will he live? Great, he lives, wow. What if he did it? Oh, that's so sad. And I guess this doesn't work. <laughs> so after being told something like that, that's when you really start to uh, get, down into the, get down into the thick of it. You start to dive in like you never prayed before in your life. So that lasted, uh, lasted almost a full year of chemo, stem cell transplants, and everything else. Till finally, after they completely just completely killed me. Uh, they, they legally killed me. They, in order to do the stem cell transplant, they have to, they keep you in a room for a week and they pump you full of enough drugs to kind of kill you. And when all your cells are dead, they take your stem cells that they've been harvesting and they pump it right back into you. And they hope that you wake up. They like kind of uh, just, you know, <laughs> get a pulse. No, they it's there to get. <laughs> and then eventually, hopefully. So, Baruch Hashem, we went through that. And after coming out of something like that, I remember the worst part of it wasn't going through the sickness itself. I remember afterwards. The part that for me was the hardest was after coming out of the hospital, after battling the anxiety, after going through so many difficulties from the pain, taking the steroids and all the different things that you have to go through in order to battle it. After it all, the hardest part was... I remember standing in my parents' living room. I was then 24 years old. Standing in my parents' living room, I was bald. Well, balder. No hair on my head then, no eyebrows. 
I couldn't control my my uh, lungs at that point. I was like a baby. I just couldn't. Uh, they had used so much radiation on my lungs that they fried my lungs completely to the point that I couldn't control my spit that was coming out of it. So I had to have like a mask that was just catching the spit. I couldn't swallow it. It was ridiculous. Remember, it was very, very warm outside, but I was freezing. I had two sweaters on all the time, and sometimes I had to walk around with a blanket also. My body just didn't have any white blood. It just, uh, I couldn't get warm. Had my sweatpants on and my Homer Simpson slippers. I don't know if everybody knows. Apparently, everybody's seen these Homer Simpson slippers. You know, nobody knows. Big, snuggly, fuzzy Homer Simpson is just his face with his big mouth, and you put your foot through his mouth. And somebody had bought it for me when, when I was sick. I was always, I was so cold the whole time on my feet. And part, you know when you have cold feet, you can't, no matter what, you could be dressed warm from head to toe. If your feet are cold, that's it. There is no menucha. There is no happiness whatsoever. Your feet are cold. So somebody went and got me these delicious, so my Homer Simpson slippers. I'm standing there in their living room and I'm praying shacharit. I couldn't go out yet to go pray minyan because I wasn't allowed to be around people because I can catch a sickness, yada yada. And I remember standing there with my talit over my head on top of the two sweaters with my tefillin over here. And in the middle of the Amidah, I looked over at the mirror. We, we have a, like a wall that's just mirrors over there in the living room. And I looked over at the wall and I saw this monster staring at me. It was not me. It was this thing that had been pumped full of steroids. And I was all grotesque. When I saw myself in the mirror, I had a green complexion. My tefillin did not fit right. They, they, they couldn't, I could never get the strap right anymore. I, I was hunkered down underneath sweaters and, and a talit, and I looked horrific. And I remember staring at it and saying, I'm healthy. They gave me a clean bill of health. But I'm a walking dead man. I have no life. I'll never have a life. I'll never have kids. I'll never have a wife. I can't have kids. Who's going who's gonna to marry me? My whole purpose, everything I thought I was supposed to do in this world, it's gone. I had so many plans. I had so many plans. And I remember looking myself in the mirror and thinking to myself, it's all over for you. Yeah. I'm going to be pumping gas someplace with my name on my shirt, complaining, living in some basement apartment somewhere, telling people about what I could have been. That's all. God made a left turn, and I said to him, what are you doing? Why? The Abisha walks in mysterious ways. About a month later, I get a phone call from a friend of my brother's, and he says that my sister is interested to go out with your brother. And I remember my brother saying to him, what's wrong with her? Is she, you know, is she loco? Is she not right in the head? Does she have a beard? I, we're, you know, come on. It doesn't make any sense. said, this was... I got out of the hospital in November, and the phone call came in January. Yeah. Um, and he said, no, he, uh, my sister heard about him and, and heard, you know, the signal and the whole thing, and uh, she, she wants to go out with him. And he's like, no, send us a picture. <laughs> Something. <laughs> Come on. It just can't be. And sure enough, there was this crazy girl out there uh, who heard about me, and she wanted to go out. Well, first we said, let him grow back his hair. That didn't happen. <laughs> and it was crazy. It was crazy. Went out on our first date. February 6th. Went out on our first date. I was so out of dating and I was so nervous. I went and I bought a suit for that date. I left the tags on of the suit and I forgot to bring a tie. I remember showing up to the house and I called her brother and I said to him, I need you to come out with a pair of scissors. 
and I need a tie that goes with a gray suit, and I need it now. <laughs> and he came running out with his entire tie rack, just 90 ties, and his thing, I cut off the thing, put it on, and come out. The first date, the second date, the third date. Finally, at the end of the third date, I said to her, what is wrong with you? Come on. I mean, you, you know, you know, you know, you know the stuff that's wrong with me. What's going on with you? I said to her, I've been sick. I said to her, my chance of having kids, you know. And she said to me, look, and by the way, just to give you the background, she had called two different Rosh Hashivot, called the Rosh Hashiva in one place and said to him, I'm dating this guy who had been sick twice, gave him the whole story. What should I do? And Rosh Hashiva said, I can't answer you. She said, if this was your daughter, what would you tell her? If this was my daughter, I would tell her she cannot continue dating. Two Rosh Hashivot. She went to the Skvera Rebbe, the Skvera Rebbe in Muncie, and he said to her, continue and the both of you will live a long life. I said to her, what is wrong with you? Why are you, why are you taking this risk? And she said to me, you know, I've been thinking a lot about it. And Hashem runs the world. Hashem runs the world, and if Hashem decided that I'm supposed to end up with a husband who gets sick, so no matter who I marry, he'll end up becoming sick. So I figure, I'll go out with you because I see, I see quality in you. I see something about you that I like, and I'll leave it up to Hashem for all the rest. I don't know if you ever heard the angels singing. I don't know if you know what it quite sounds like, but I heard it that night. Something incredible. Why do I have the chutzpah to stand up to you tonight and tell you that I can tell you how to reach your potential and find your purpose? It's because I've been living life of purpose since the day I've been sick. After I had been sick, that was it. I decided I'm using every single ounce of my talent possible. Before that, I was planning to become a comic book artist. I was planning on drawing comic books for a living. I have a terrific talent for art. I'll show you some stuff on my iPad afterwards, if you'd like. Terrific talent for art. I got accepted. I was 15 years old. I was in 10th grade. And I got a scholarship to a college. Uh, forgot uh, something in Manhattan. Some, some art school or whatever. I sent in some of my stuff. They thought I was 18 years old. I lied on, on the resume. I have a talent for that. That's what I was planning on doing. Now I change lives for a living. For the past five years, every boy in my school who comes in leaves a different person. You live and you focus yourself in a completely different way. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.